Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good morning, Passion. If you're doing well, say praise God. If you're not, turn to your neighbor and start complaining what's going on, okay? Just, just see how many, well, I see a couple, a couple. Hey, uh, today is actually a special day, and I'm not talking about me preaching. Today is Pastor John and Laurie's 29th anniversary. Today. Now, I just inquired back at the booth. I know you live stream or video uh, uh, one of the services, and they said it's this one. And I've known John and Laurie long enough and been part of the ministry and seen them pastor. I know that sometime today, even though he's preaching right now, he's going to view this service. So you're the crowd that gets to actually wish them a happy anniversary. Are you ready for that? And one, I'll do one, two, three, and then give them the biggest shout-out, happy anniversary, John and Laurie, Pastor John and Laurie, that you can, okay? Are you ready? You up for it? All right, one person's up for it. Right, okay, good, good, good. All right, good. One, two, three. Happy anniversary. Yeah, give them another praise. Hallelujah. Actually, I said give them another praise. Forget giving them a praise. Give God a praise. Yeah. That this has worked out for them. And I know Laurie's mom has really been worried for 29 years. But here, we're feeling better about things. Praise God. This being their 29th anniversary and I get a chance to speak to you, I thought you just might be interested to know. In case you're not aware, John did mention that I'm his father-in-law. That means that Laurie's our daughter. So would you like to hear about Laurie's love life before she met John? <laughs> Anybody in the house want to interested in that little bit of tidbit? I'm looking back to see if her children are still in the room right now. No, they heard this in the first service, so they don't want to hear this the second time around, I don't think. I had always told Laurie she couldn't date till she was 30. She negotiated with me, and we finally agreed on 16. And I was pretty steadfast about the 16 thing. Yeah, there were a bunch of boys that were starting to show up, though, as she got closer to 16. Now, me being the fool that I am, I thought they were there to play basketball with me. And my boys, so I played all those boys some basketball, and I thought they quit coming around because they never could beat me. It turned out they quit coming around because Laurie was not interested. So my basketball game started getting a little lower in steam. Now, I don't have the time to go into all the boys that ever showed up, but there was one boy that, yeah, I got to give him some credit. He showed up with a guitar in the dark, outside of Laurie's bedroom, underneath her window, and started serenading her within song. Now, you might go, oh, except I got to tell you, this kid was good. He really could sing. In fact, after he graduated from high school, he went to New York to start training to be on Broadway. So, 
there's no question, John didn't measure up to this young man when it comes to being a vocalist. I just got to be honest with you, you don't want to hear John sing, but you would have enjoyed this guy. But he wasn't the guy for Laurie, as talented as he was. She really never showed any real interest in him. But then along came Tim. And Tim was good looking, just a year older than Laurie. And he was a Christian. He was out of one of our churches in the conference. He'd been to youth camp. So that's how they knew each other. And uh, Laurie showed a little bit more interest in him. He took her to the prom and all, all of those things. One summer night after she'd graduated from high school, I came home. I'd been out, I'm sure, doing some kind of ministry. And I walked in the house. And as soon as I did, Laurie and Tim and Linda and my sons said, Dad, sit down, the news is coming on. And I, that had never happened in all my life, that my children wanted me to sit down and watch the news. Well, I did, and I'm going through all the news, the weather, and I'm thinking, what, what's up here? Then the sports came on, and they were out at the baseball field. How many remember the Oklahoma City Redhawks? Prior to the Dodgers, it was the minor league team that we had here in Oklahoma City, the Red Hawks. And Tim had taken Laurie to the Red Hawks baseball game. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what happened at the game? I thought maybe there was a triple play. Maybe somebody hit four home runs. I didn't know what was going on until the sportscaster really said, well, he didn't even give the score of the game. I actually don't know who won the game. He said there was quite a festivity out at the ballpark tonight, and then they throw up the scoreboard at the stadium, and on the scoreboard, Laurie, will you marry me, Tim? And then the camera pans over, and Red Hawk girls are coming out with balloons. They're coming out with, uh, well, one of the girls came out with an engagement ring and gave it to Tim, who got down on his knees with the camera on him and proposed to Laurie out at the baseball stadium. You know what my first thought was? Well, that stinker never came to me and asked for her hand in marriage. He just proposed out of the stadium with cameras rolling, and it made the news that night. And Laurie said yes right there in the stadium. Now, I'm letting you in. John was not her first love nor her first fiancé. And her mom and I were kind of going, uh, Bob, you, I don't know if you ever had that feeling, but I liked him, but we had already seen he was somewhat controlling. I think I have no better evidence than how he proposed to her, really gave her no options with cameras rolling other than to say yes. But Laurie had not seen what we had seen up until she went to college, and she came right over here to Southwestern, just like her mom and I had done, just like her grandparents had done. She went to be a student at Southwestern. And the first, she had to come early to go through freshman orientation week. And at the end of the week, they had a party for all the freshmen who had been there throughout the week. And Tim told Laurie, you can't go to the party. Okay, I'm going to give you a little insight into your pastor's wife. She gave the ring back and said, goodbye. You can't tell me what I can't do. And she broke off the engagement right then. Within a month, I got a phone call, and some kid named John Leggett 
son of one of the officials in the church, had asked her out on a date. I happened to be in a meeting back in Carolina with John's dad, and I went up to him and said, what are your son's intentions with my daughter? He didn't even know about the date, of course, but hey, I, have, I was having fun. You know what I found out years later? I didn't actually know this at the time, even though we were sending Laurie off to Southwestern. I didn't know that she grew up loving being a preacher's kid. A lot of preacher's kids, it's a nightmare for them, but Laurie loved being the daughter of pastors. And she had always hoped that she would marry a preacher and together they would go into ministry and serve the Lord just like she had seen her parents and her grandparents doing. So Laurie hoped with all the hope within her that she would marry a preacher. Tim was a good kid, somewhat controlling, but he wasn't called to preach. But John was. And the love blossomed from there. And here we are 29 years later, and she still loves being a preacher's wife, serving in a role in ministry with John. And her mom and I got to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I didn't know that was her hope when she was a child. I didn't even know that was her hope when I sent her off to college. But am I glad that her hopes have come true? That's what every parent wants, is to see their children live out their dreams and their hopes and our daughter is serving you guys in ministry at this church. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. And John needs somebody that feels a call to ministry as well. I can tell you every pastor needs his wife to be as fully committed to this ministry, whether she's called or not. Well, in this case, Laurie has always felt called to serve in ministry. Praise God. I want to speak, therefore, on the subject of hope. The God of hope has walked her through her steps as well as ours, and I want to share with you that the same God of hope can do these things for each one of you. Whatever your dreams might be, whatever you're hoping for in life, you serve a God who is able to fulfill those things for you and certainly wants to fulfill the calling that he's put upon your life. So let's look at Scripture. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Now, I could stop right there. Just those two things alone should thrill our hearts. The God of hope will fill us with all joy as well as peace in believing. That you may abound in hope. Everybody say abound in hope that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. If this was a fairy tale I was talking about with John and Laurie, the next line or the last line simply would be, and they lived happily ever after. The reality is, no, they've had their own trials. They've had their own challenges. They've certainly had issues in life that they've had to deal with as a married couple, as parents, as grandparents. There have been trials that they've dealt with, and God has been with them through all of those things. There have been the normal kinds of trials that every husband and wife has, but there's been some unique challenges for them as well. But here's the good news. God has never failed them. Praise God. 
Now, as I speak about hope, I, I do want to remind you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we find out there are three things that, uh, that abide. That basically means they are forever kind of stuff. They've always been and they always will be. And those three things are faith, hope, and love. Now, you've heard a lot of sermons, I'm sure, on faith. Faith is actually mentioned more than 300 times in Scripture. And the same can be said for love, which is also mentioned over 300 times in Scripture. We know faith is obviously important because Paul said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to please God, right? <laughs> you want to make God happy. Most of us are asking God to make us happy, but... The goal might be to make God happy, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Whoa, so we need some faith. Love, of course. Well, God is love. I mean, that's everything about His kingdom. He sent His Son because He so loved the world. So thank God for God's love. And we also know, according to that passage back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love never fails. So, wow, we could spend forever talking about both faith as well as love. Hope is only mentioned a little over 100 times. So only about a third of the time does God talk about hope in the measure that he talks about faith and love. It's kind of like that middle child. Any middle child? children here in the room this morning. I'd say a couple of hands. Abigail and Austin were both in service. I found out after the service not everybody here knows that Austin and Abigail are brother and sister. They didn't until maybe John and Laurie showed up. But Abigail is the middle child and so she really got a kick out of me saying hope is like that middle child. Doesn't get nearly the amount of attention and is somewhat misunderstood. About that moment's when Abigail lifted her hands and just started praising God. That somebody understood hope. Here's what many of us misconstrue when we're thinking of hope. You're actually wallowing in wishful thinking. Because without faith in a loving God, that's all hope is, is wishful thinking. Your dreams will not be fully realized if God is not active, not only in your dream, but in your life. In fact, I've got a couple of other negative things I'm going to mention in just a moment. But keep in mind how important hope is. I think of it as the opposite of fear. Fear expects the worst. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know anybody? Maybe you may be that somebody that lives their life out expecting bad things to happen. And some of those bad things will be the worst possible that could happen. You just think it's going to be natural. That's what's going to happen because, after all, it's my life we're talking here. And so that's, that's how you go about every day, just waiting for the next shoe to drop. What can go wrong today is how you live your life. At least some people, that is exactly them. Hope is just the opposite. Hope expects the best. Hope is more than merely optimistic. I'm somewhat naturally optimistic. That's my, a character trait for me, but hope goes beyond just my natural optimism. Hope has put faith in God. Hope believes in God, and hope knows that God is able to do all things and will do all things for me. 
So praise God. Hope is more than just, yeah, I, I think positive thoughts. Yeah, there was that teaching about walking in positive thoughts. I would rather walk in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit guide me because it's the God of hope who will fill me with all joy and peace in believing that hope may abound by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's just word right there. That's word. So, I said a couple of negative things. Shall we get into them? Even when you're walking in Christ, not every day will be perfectly joyful and peaceful. Not every day will go by without a problem or rearing its ugly head. That's the negative. Jesus put it this way. In this world, you will have, the King James says, tribulation. Another way of simply saying, hey, you got, you're going to have some problems on occasion. Things will go wrong. Not everything will be perfect. Or as Okies might say, it's not all hunky-dory. But life is still good despite what may go wrong on occasion. Here's what God says in Matthew chapter 5, 45. Jesus said, He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. Now, faith is an important part of the believer's life, but it doesn't make us immune from difficult trials, challenges, and challenging times and seasons will always come our way. That doesn't mean they're a bad thing for us. If rain was bad for us, God would never allow it to fall on our head. But God sends both the sunshine and the rain on both the good and the evil. And he has purpose in all of that. And mostly, it's for our blessing. Praise God. I'm praying for a little rain this week so I don't have to water my grass every day so it won't dry up and die. And yet, at the same time, I'm hoping that my water bill is affordable at the end of the month. So a little rain. I don't want to live in Seattle, though, where it might rain every day for three months. I don't want that. I don't want to be that character in Peanuts. I think it was Pigpen, but somebody can correct me. Always walked around with a cloud over his head. You remember that character in Peanuts? There was always a rainstorm going on in his life. And I've known some folks that, man, it appears that's how it is. Here's the second negative thing I'm going to say. So just buckle your seatbelts. Are you ready for this one? Sometimes it's your fault. You're the reason things don't always go well. Uh, you didn't want to hear that, did you? Uh, there's a quietness in the room now because it sounds like the preacher just pointed his bony finger right into your face and said, you're the problem. But here's the reality. Even David said, sometimes a man needs to examine himself and ask these questions. Am I the reason? Is there something that I'm doing that I shouldn't be or is there something that I should be doing that I'm not? Ah, Paul himself said, ah, I do the things I shouldn't and I don't do the things I should. So if the apostle Paul can admit to it, maybe we ought to have the fortitude to admit at times it is our fault, and we are not following through exactly and completely as we should as faith-believing people. However, having said that, I 
do have some good news. If it is our fault, there's still hope. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. There is still hope even if we're the problem. Praise God. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't let the problem escalate. Figure out the why of this. And if it's something that you can do something about, then do that. If it's merely come inside out of the rain, then get outside of the rain. If there's something going on in your life and you realize it's always associated with this thing, then get away from that thing. Stop that activity. Change those friendships. Whatever you must do, do it. If you want to have hope that your life will be lived the way God wants it to be lived. Sometimes it's our own fault, but yet if we never deal with it, it can escalate to be a far more serious situation than it ever would have been. Have you ever heard of a man named William Henry Harrison? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of William Henry Harrison. He was one of the presidents of the United States of America. He was elected to presidency in November of 1840. So, yeah, we're talking about history. It was a special day. I can affirm that. But 1840, he was elected to become president. Now, back in those days, the inaugural day wasn't until March. So on March 4th, 1841, William Henry Harrison rode his horse in a parade down the streets of Washington, D.C. to the inaugural platform where he would speak. Now, it was a cold, rainy day. How cold, you said? It was just this close to being cold enough to snow. It might have been better if it had been snow, but it was a freezing rain. But Mr. Harrison had been a military figure. He had been at Tippecanoe, and he knew that people thought of him as a manly man. So, even though they offered him a covered coach to ride to the platform so he could avoid the elements, he wouldn't have anything of that. He got on his horse and began just riding down the middle of the street. Now, being on a horse, a top coat really wasn't practical. He couldn't ride that horse uh, without pulling the top coat up to his chest, and he thought that would kind of look foolish. And so he didn't wear a top coat. He also didn't wear the top hat that he had. And so he just rode his horse in the freezing rain down the street. I don't know if it's a mile or two miles. I don't know how long the parade lasted. But he managed to finally make it to the platform. Everybody else was shivering, freezing. He tried to make do as though he was doing great. So when he got up to speak, he spoke for an hour and 45 minutes in the freezing rain. How long is an hour and 45 minutes? I'm preaching three times this, this morning, and I will not speak for an hour and 45 minutes combined, I hope. And everybody else said, thank you, Jesus, amen. The next morning, President Harrison got up, and he had a cold. He couldn't hardly breathe. He was sniffling, <coughs> coughing. And so somebody attended to him, started giving him a little med. But in the second day, he was in bed sick. He was really getting sick. By the end of the week, he had pneumonia. Now, we're talking 1841. This guy's got pneumonia. He lasted a month. 
He died on April 4th, 1841, exactly a month to the day that he became president. I wonder if he wished he had worn a top coat and a hat and ridden in a coach and spoke for maybe 15 minutes. I wonder if any of those thoughts were going through his mind the last week of his life. I have no idea. All I know is this. He should have had the sense to do better. And here's a word from God that somebody needs, but you don't want to receive it. You don't want to hear it. You ought to do better. You ought to make a point to stop doing the things that are bringing trials into your life and start doing the things that will help God be more of the Lord of your life that sometimes you've professed Him to be, but you haven't really lived it out. Ah, there's the negative again, but can I give you a positive? God has an umbrella that He wants to cover every one of you with, and that umbrella He has named Grace. And he will cover your sins. He will cover your mistakes. He will cover your faults. He will take your misbehaviors. And he can transform all of that in your life by his grace. And then his, his grace becomes the protection that you've been needing all of these days. He will, by his spirit, begin to speak peace into your ear and into your spirit. By his spirit, he begin to impart joy into your life and you find you don't need those things that have been the substitute for what is the real thing, the joy of the Lord. And God, by his grace, will change everything about you and you won't be walking with a rainstorm cloud hovering over your head all the days of your life. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. However, not everything in a life is merely a shower. There are some of those times that we endure what I will call summer squalls. They just suddenly come up almost out of nowhere. They last for a little while, and boy, they're more than inconvenient. They can kind of be scary a little bit. I remember, this is July, so I remember a July a few years ago that started off with me getting bronchitis. Now, over the years, I've been subject to bronchitis. I have allergies that are pretty bad, and so occasionally when they get really bad, I start draining. And before I know it, it's drained down through my tubes into the bronchial tubes, and if I haven't got them cleared too, very quickly, then they become bronchitis, and a few times I've had pneumonia, walking pneumonia on occasion, but there's been a time that I was actually laid out because of the pneumonia. That all started because of allergies. Well, this is how my July started with allergies. However, a couple of days later, Linda, who worked in a bank, she was carrying a box and tried to move another heavy box with just her foot to get it over in the corner. She didn't want to have to make two trips to that corner, I guess. And when she moved that box with her leg, something happened in her back. A nerve just suddenly became inflamed. She couldn't hardly walk. She was in terrible pain. I had to pick her up and help her come home and how about what's going on with Linda <laughs> and, and she can't hardly walk and she's crying because of the pain whoa well the next week I'm still sick she's still hurting and my new car that had only had three months I went to Mardell's to pick something up from the church and my car broke down and wouldn't start and I had to have it towed to the service department at the dealership I hate car problems more than anything else. I like to think in my life I've been able to fix most of my problems, but if it's a car problem, forget it. 
I can barely put gas in a car. So here I am. I'm sick, she's hurting, and my car's broke down. And then two days after that, I get a call from our Royal Rangers commander who is leading our boys uh, to Camp Arama, which is back in North Carolina. And he calls, and they're in Tennessee, and the bus that I had chartered for them had broke down. Whew. And they call me to find out what to do. Hmm. Then that next Sunday, we were to have a family vacation. And we had told our kids and their spouses and a couple of grandkids that we had at the time, said, we're going down to the Broken Bow area of Oklahoma. I'm from California. I had never seen the southeast part of Oklahoma. I had no idea there was that much beauty and hills in Oklahoma until I got down to Broken Bow. And so Linda and I had reserved this beautiful large lodge for our family. It was, we were supposed to show up on Sunday, so after Sunday morning service was over, we rushed home to get our bags and head out the door. But remember the days in answering machines? There was an answering machine in our house, and it was lighting up, and I had a message. So I just hit the, the light to see what the message was, and the renters had canceled our agreement to have that lodge that that day and for that week. Turns out they'd had renters the week before that tore the place up, and so they were so disgusted, they had told the management company, cancel all reservations. We don't want anybody else in our house. And so we got the word the day we were supposed to go that it was canceled. I called them up and said, oh, what can we do? I've got my entire family showing up for this vacation. All right. Before I get to the resolution of all these trials and tribulations of my July that year, can I give you another word? The earlier word was sometimes it's your fault, deal with it. But here's a word that there are occasions when it's not your fault at all. So how do you deal with it? What do you do in those moments? What resource is available to you? Now I'm not only talking about hope, now I'm talking about weaponizing your hope, adding a weapon. I think of grace as being a protective covering and shield for our lives. Faith accompanies that grace and produces the hope that I'm talking about. But what kind of weapon can we pick up in the midst of the trial, in the time of battle, that we can couple with hope and find our way through to the answers that God has for us? I think I have an answer for you right now what that weapon is. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things give thanks to God. Hear me again. Be anxious for nothing. Anybody in this room living your life totally stressed out? I mean, you're anxious the night you lay your head on the bed of what's going to happen tomorrow, what's coming the next day, what the future holds. You, you just believe, oh, man, my life is miserable and it's getting worse. Or... You're thinking of the past and everything that has happened in the past and how miserable that made you and who's to fall and who's to blame and, ah, oh, I wish that had never happened. Both of those things, expecting the worst in the future or blaming everything and everyone in your past, neither one of those things produce hope. But here's the weapon that helps your hope to grow. 
thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude that says, God is with me. He's always been with me. God is for me. He will always be for me. I've got God on my side. Who can be against me? What can go wrong? Because even when he said there will be tribulations in this world, the next thing he said, the next words that came out of his breath was this, but be of good cheer. I will be with you always. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering right now. An attitude of gratitude. Start thanking God for the stuff that has gone wrong and how it's turned out. Start thanking God for every blessing he's poured into your life and continues to do so. My bronchitis, not only did I get over it, I learned a lesson, and Linda's part of the lesson. Quit waiting for that sniffle to turn into bronchitis. Go deal with it early on. Now, there's a couple of times I went to the doctor almost ashamedly because I didn't think I was sick enough to go to the doctor. It was almost a relief when the doctor said, well, Richard, you are sick. Here's some medicine, and he stopped it before it turned into bronchitis. So that's been the pattern ever since. I still have allergies, but I deal with the sniffles, not with bronchitis. Praise God. Linda wound up with a physical therapist who helped her. It took six weeks, but she finally was pain-free. Praise God. My car was under warranty. Praise God. They fixed it for free. The bus company that I chartered the bus had a new bus out there within two hours. The boys made it to Camperama and had a fantastic time. And the rental agency on my lodge say, well, we don't have a lodge that big, but we do have two cabins that sit side by side, and we won't charge you anymore. We will discount the price for those two cabins, and your family can stay in those two cabins. We had more room, more bedrooms, more toilets, more TVs, more kitchen, more appliances, and what a blessing. God was in all of those things. Here's what you need to learn. Don't let the temporary become permanent. Start thanking God for all your blessings and see what God can do today as well as tomorrow. And let hope abound in your life. Amen? Now, sometimes it's not just a summer squall. You know, the thing that comes up and doesn't last that long, maybe 45 minutes, 60 minutes, and it finally subsides. Oh, there may be lightning, there may be wind, there may be even hail, but it's gone very quickly. But I have to admit, there are some storms that are totally destructive, have the power to kill have the power to damage everything about your life. And those storms, thank God, maybe only happen once or twice in a lifetime. But when they do come and they're severe and you realize it, they can be traumatic, they can uh, be overwhelming, and you think, what am I going to do? I've got some good news for you there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. 
He's the Savior. He saves us. He's the one that saves us. We sang about it this morning. So that's the good news. When there's a storm that can destroy, God is the one that can save. David said in Psalm 73, But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. A few years ago, Lynn and I gave ourselves a Christmas gift of putting in a storm shelter in our garage. You know, one of those they had to dig out and put in a cement tank and all of that and the door that covers it and all that. And, whoo, now we've got a storm shelter. My wife is happy, and I'm kind of looking forward to tornado season. You know, anybody, is anybody in the room like me, kind of silly like that? You know, I, yeah, I see those guys' hands going up. I'm from California. My friends never could understand why I moved to Oklahoma where there are so many tornadoes all the time. And I would say to me, yeah, what about your earthquakes? You know? So everybody's got something, right? But they just couldn't imagine because they, they experience a severe earthquake maybe once every 40 years. Well, we have them every year and more than one. They just can't imagine. And I would tell them, but we got weathermen that will tell us all conditions will be wipe, uh, ripe on Friday for tornadoes. So start making your plans now. And I say, so we start kind of planning and thinking ahead. And then that day, yeah, they confirm. And so we start watching more closely what's happening in the skies of Oklahoma. I've told John and Laurie, why did it always happen? Start down in Wichita Falls and just come up I-44 to Edmond and where I live. But that's the way it is. However, this day I was kind of excited. It was our first possible tornado since we got a storm shelter. Our son Ryan had showed up. So Ryan and I are standing out in the middle of the street out in front of our house. We, have a, we had a couple of neighbors, uh, two ladies, Deb and Debbie. And Deb had come out on the porch. And I said, hey, Deb, if the tornado comes, good news, we've got a storm shelter. You, you two just come on over and get in the shelter with us. I felt so proud that we had a storm shelter. And so we were ready. We were prepared. I've got Mike Morgan on the cell phone with the Channel 4 news here, but I'm pointing to the sky, and where I was standing, I'm pointing uh, northwest, and I'm asking Ryan, does that look like circulation to you? And he's looking close, and we're both, uh, maybe. But then Mike Morgan says, a tornado has set down in Edmond at 33rd and Boulevard. And I went, 33rd and Boulevard? I didn't have to ask. That was a tornado. It was very obvious. That's a tornado. And the path of the tornado was coming right towards our house. So Ryan and I rushed and ran and got into the storm shelter. We didn't have to call for Linda. She'd been in there for 30 minutes. She's the wise one. And we got in there, and then I hear the patter of feet coming up our driveway, and it's Deb and Debbie, and they had brought their two dogs with them. And so they got into the shelter with us. And so there we are in our refuge with a tornado headed directly towards us. And I said, okay, folks, we got to pray. And I said, dear Jesus, thank you that we are protected in this storm shelter, but I pray a hedge of protection over our entire neighborhood. I pray that... No life is lost. I pray that no one is even hurt. 
I pray that there's no real severe damage to our houses and our homes and our neighborhood. In fact, Lord, can you protect us all, even our property? And Lord, we'll be thankful if you will do this for us. Now, here's a Pentecostal pastor, his wife, his son, two lesbians and two dogs in a storm shelter asking God to help us. And you know what God did? He helped us. He answered my prayer. We had an Okie, one of those real Okies, who is our neighbor across the street. He was just out on the back porch watching the tornado as it went. And he told me, he said, it went right over your house. It was so close, I thought it was no way it was going to miss your roof. But it just skipped right over you guys and went on out of the neighborhood. And we knew he was telling us the truth because the hospital that was just had just been built on the other side of our neighborhood got damaged severely. They were supposed to have their grand opening on this next Saturday, and they had to postpone it eight months while they repaired the damage to the brand-new building at the hospital. I kind of felt bad because they weren't in our neighborhood, so I didn't cover them in my prayer. You know what I'm saying? But I knew that God had been with us and had spared us. Now, I've got this news for you. There is no better place to be than to be near God when you're facing that kind of storm. God is your only refuge, and he is your true hope. When you need him the most, that's when he will always make himself plain to you. Thank God. Thank God. I want to take a moment and ask, so, whether it's your fault or not, whether it's a little rain cloud or a violent, deadly storm coming up in your life, where are you going to turn? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that the Hope may abound by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Would you bow your heads with me? There may be somebody in this room that early on realized, I'm the blame. I need to change some things. I need something new to start happening in my life, and I need the old to quit happening. I need God's help to make that happen, though, because I've tried more than once to make the changes, and I failed every time. Now, if you'll rely upon God, you'll find that change can come. The clouds can go. Peace will be imparted, and joy will fill your soul. And abounding in hope for a better future it will now be your existence anybody in this room says Richard I'm just going to lift my hand and ask God to forgive me forgive me for everything that I've done that's been wrong that's been hurtful that has violated his scripture or has been unfaithful to him I want to ask God to help me right now all right Anybody else? Who else in this room says, Lord, save me. Save me from myself if you must, but save me today. I need you, Lord. Anybody else? There's more than one hand. There's more hands going up. 
Anybody else this morning? All right. All right. It may have seemed like a negative word to early on say, sometimes it's your fault. But here's the wonderful news. You have an umbrella of grace being extended to you right now. That grace will forgive you of your sins and redeem you. That grace will change and transform your lives and make you new. That you become the person that God wants you to be. <laughs> you even become the person that you want to be by grace. Anybody else? We've had several hands already. Anybody else in the room want to ask God to forgive you and change you? Even if you didn't raise your hand, why don't you join me and them in this prayer and let us all pray together in faith to the God of hope. For them, and who knows, a little bit of it just might be for you as well. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I love you with all my heart. I thank you for loving me. Please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of everything that is impure in my life. Change me today. I want to walk out of this place a new person. And only you can make that happen. So I'm asking for that thing today. Lord, help me tomorrow, next week, and for the rest of my life that hope may abound that the best is yet to come for me. I thank you for hearing my prayer and saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. Can we offer two prayers this morning? Bow your heads, close your eyes once again. All right, we prayed for salvation. Not every one of you needed salvation, but there's more than these that need help because something's going on in your life and you need hope in that thing. You need to ask God to help see you through the squalls because you don't want to allow the temporary to become permanent. Or you want God's help because it's a destructive storm on the horizon and you don't have a clue how you're going to deal with it. And you need God's help. If that's you, raise your hand right now. All right. See, there's more hands for this one than there was for the first one. Anybody else? I need God's help. I'm dealing with something. I don't want it to last forever. I want God to help me. Anybody else? Stand to your feet and let's pray together. Linda's trying to give me a word I don't need. Oh, Linda reminded me I didn't tell you the last thing in the sermon. It's time to be prepared. That means before the storm hits, it's time to pair up with the one who is your helper. So that's what we're about to do. Before the storm gets bad or before it even shows up, we're going to ask God to be a part of our life in every situation. So I want you to take somebody by the hand. You don't even know if that person raised their hand and say, I'm going through something right now. You don't even know. But I want you to pair up right now and let's ask God to be our help, our Savior, and our hope in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we praise you today because you're the hope 
of our lives. You are the helper in our days. You are the ever-present help in times of trouble. So God, be with us now, we pray. Help my brother, help my sister, and help me to endure and to overcome. And I'll give you my thanks and my praise forevermore and evermore. If you want to abound in hope and in faith, say amen and amen. Say it out loud. Amen and amen. Give the Lord. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.